0: Hey, Unnaturalists, I'm, I'm Emily.
1: I'm uh, Andy.
0: And welcome back to Unnatural, your favorite true crime podcast.
1: Yes, and once again, a pre-Thanksgiving edition. I was wrong last week. <laughs> this is the actual pre-Thanksgiving edition. I was just so excited last week about Thanksgiving.
0: Well, last week was before Thanksgiving, yeah, so it was true. pre
1: So it's another Thanksgiving. pre-Thanksgiving edition.
0: The day before Thanksgiving. This one is coming out, right?
1: Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. If you want to hear about a Thanksgiving murder, you can go back to an episode we did last year about the Thanksgiving butcher. But first, listen to this podcast.
0: Yeah, and then go back.
1: Yeah. So what do we got going on today?
0: Well, you definitely want to listen today because, as we know, social media is arguably one of the best and worst things that's probably ever happened to us.
1: I'm leaning towards worst.
0: Yeah. Well, because it seems like, you know, everyday ordinary people are able to skyrocket to internet fame on apps like TikTok and Instagram, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for bad reasons. But in kind of a positive story, earlier this year, a young woman by the name of Sonia Khan garnered thousands of followers on TikTok after sharing her story regarding her divorce from her husband. Months later, she was planning on returning to her hometown in Tennessee, but unfortunately, when she did return, it would be in a casket. This is the story of Sonia Khan. 8th, 1993, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Her parents had immigrated from Pakistan a handful of years earlier, so she was pretty proud of being like the first generation uh, child of um, Pakistani Muslim parents and immigrants. She attended the Chattanooga School for the Arts and Sciences, and she graduated from the University of Tennessee, where she majored in both psychology and women's studies. Now, she was very passionate about this work, and she did begin her career working as a social worker and heavily advocated for low-income families, but her true love and passion did lie in photography. She did take a job as a flight attendant to support her dreams as a photographer. And on her website, she wrote, quote, My life truly began the day I purchased my first DSLR. She said, sometimes when I'm sad, I think about how proud my younger self would be of the woman I've become. I followed my dreams to be a photographer, and I am the most confident I've ever been.
1: Wait, can you explain to me in layman terms? layman's terms what is a DSLR?
0: It's just um, Is it a like a camera? type of digital camera. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like a professional camera.
1: Okay. That shows how much I know about photography.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, I kind of hobby photograph, but I also take pictures for work, obviously. But I, like, I don't know what DSLR stands for.
1: Yeah. Digital single lens reflex.
0: Yeah. So um, her friends described her as someone who could befriend anyone. They said she was always a great friend who was willing to help someone out during tough times. And it was nearly impossible to say anything bad about her. And like her TikTok is still up with all of her videos. And if you just watch them, like even even the ones that were pretty heavy where she was talking about her divorce, like you can tell, like she's just she's. She's beautiful. She. It seems like she really just kind of found herself again. How old was she? after? She's 29 when she died. Hmm. She started posting on TikTok in April of 2020. She began with detailing her life as a flight attendant and sharing her photography. And she did start gaining a pretty decent following, especially after she started talking about her divorce. Now, she met her husband, Raheel, and they had dated... Um, for about four or five years, it sounds like they mostly dated um, long distance hmm. until they eventually got married in June of last year. And then they uh, he was trying to get into the medical field. Uh, I, I believe he was going to medical school to like become a doctor. So they moved to Chicago to support his medical career, because, like I said, she was originally from Tennessee And I believe he was originally from Georgia. Now, friends say that just days or weeks after they got married, they started to notice changes in her personality. She seemed um, really kind of dulled down and just not herself. Uh, One friend said that the bright light they always saw in her began to darken. Wow. Now, allegedly, her husband had lied about his age when they met. He said that he was 30 at the time, but in reality, he was actually 36.
1: So. Which shouldn't be a huge deal, like a six-year difference in your age. But at the same time, it's like, why the hell lie about that?
0: Yeah, I don't know. And it's not like she was super young. A spring chicken? yeah I mean if so she was she was had recently turned twenty nine when she died. They had been dating for like five years that would put her at like twenty five twenty six yeah when they met and if he was thirty six when she died, that would have made him like thirty at the time, yeah. But he must have said he was younger and closer to her age.
1: Right. Maybe right? he wanted to fit within the uh, age parameters on the online dating app or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Who, who the hell who knows? knows? Yeah, and
0: I don't even I don't even know. I don't know. I couldn't find how they met anything that said how they met. Mm. Yeah. If but, it was
1: long distance, it was more than likely online.
0: Yeah. But he would who knows? so. Well, and she was a flight attendant, so maybe they met that way. Yeah, could be. I don't know. Anyway, so she did find out that he lied about his age somehow, and he did apparently admit it when she confronted him about it. But even before that, apparently they had been fighting a lot and the relationship became abusive and toxic to the point where he would have breakdowns. And would threaten to kill himself if she left or anything like that. So, it was it was just really toxic. Her friends said that he was very controlling. Like, he would monitor what she wore, who she hung out with and talked to. And he was constantly criticizing her on how she presented herself in public.
1: How many times have we heard this before in some of our episodes? These douchey guys that try and control these women. I mean, God.
0: Yeah. And it seems this type of stuff really and I don't want to seem like I'm generalizing here, but just like from what I've read about just um, her her South Asian and Pakistani um, culture, it seems to be really prevalent. And she speaks about that in her TikToks. And even after her death, TikTok kind of really blew up. About it and how she died. And a lot of people talked about the toxicities in that culture, too, surrounding, um, you know, speaking openly about domestic violence, abuse, divorce, all of that. And we'll get into that a little bit later, too.
1: So when they finally moved in together, was that right when they got married?
0: I think they had found an apartment in Chicago not long before they got married.
1: Wow, Talk about pell-mell.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So, like I said, they were fighting a lot. He was being kind of psycho, constantly just like being overbearing. And I can speak to this myself being in a long distance relationship and then moving in with someone like you really, like, you really don't know somebody like that until you live with them. So shortly before she filed for divorce in December of last year, there was an incident with her husband that left her feeling unsafe. She said in one TikTok that on the last day of her 28th year of life, she got a tattoo of the Roman numeral for the number 28 because all in the same year when she was 28 years old, she got married, she filed for divorce, And she allegedly almost died on the 28th floor of her apartment building. Wow. So 28 was just very symbolic for her. Now, I couldn't find any specific details on what actually happened during this incident. She said she, yeah.
1: I wonder if it was any sort of domestic situation with him.
0: Well, I would assume so. Um, Just kind of judging by what we know about him just being very controlling, going off the rails and threatening to kill himself. You know, I, I, I feel like there is a multitude of reasons why she would feel unsafe. I don't know that he had actually, like, attempted to kill her or maybe he was just threatening it. Who knows? But in December of 2021, she did file for. Divorce. Now, shortly after, um, I'm not quite sure exactly when, but her husband moved back to Alpharetta, Georgia. She remained in Chicago. Um, She immediately removed him from their lease and had the locks changed on the apartment. And um, she apparently was also planning or did file for a restraining order. Um, The sources were a little bit conflicting because some said that she was thinking about it. Some said that she did. So I'm not sure whether or not that actually happened. But.
1: Either way, that points to some sort of, in my opinion, domestic abuse situation too. Because not all separations and divorces, you know, go that far. You know, you don't always need a restraining order.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then it was about in May of this year when she began posting on TikTok about going through this divorce. In one post, she said, quote, Going through a divorce as a South Asian woman feels like you failed at life sometimes. The way the community labels you, the lack of emotional support you receive, and the pressure to stay with someone because what will people say is isolating. It makes it harder for women to leave marriages they shouldn't have been in to begin with. Wow. So she, she talks very openly, kind of about these cultural struggles. And she, you know, had a couple of videos where she was talking about it go viral. And she, you know, was gaining followers by the day. Uh, By the time she died, she had well over 20,000 followers on TikTok, she had several thousand on Instagram. And, um, like if you look through the comments, there's a lot of women who also shared their story, thanked her for being so open about what it's like to go through a divorce, especially in that South Asian culture,
1: probably opened a lot of people's uh, eyes.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it just, it just helps people who are in similar situations, not feel so alone when you see somebody else talking about it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um,
0: Yeah, I mean, like, even so, and this is kind of the goofy thing that I thought is, okay, so divorce rates today are super high, right? I think the last statistic I read was somewhere about, like, 52% of marriages end in divorce, but there's definitely still, like, a big stigma around it, like, even if abuse is involved.
1: Yeah, especially the more religious yeah. A couple is, it seems like. Or if, you know, and nothing against religion, but the more prevalent religion is in a person's life, mm-hmm. I think the more apt they are to try and stay in the marriage and make it work.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And her her parents were divorced and they still heavily chastised her for any Oh, marriage. wow. Yeah, she said some family members told her that she was, quote, letting Satan win and that she dresses like a prostitute. And if she ever does move back to her hometown of Chattanooga, they they would kill themselves. Jesus. So, it just sounds really, really toxic and really scary. For sure. So, That was another thing that she really talked about on her social media was just about how taboo it is to get a divorce, let alone talk about it publicly, along with the domestic violence. And I mean, I said it once, I'll say it again. It's just wild to me that there is such a stigma around it still in the Lord's year of 2022. So anyway, now we're at the point. She's filed for divorce. She may or may not have gotten a restraining order. It's been a few months since... He's been gone. She's kind of been on her own, rebuilding her, herself. And her friends did say that her personality began to return. One friend said that it was like she had discovered her spark again, which also seemed to be the theme in some of her videos on TikTok as well so like she had some that were really sad and really heavy just kind of talking about the divorce and then she had others that were just like you know like this is me finding myself again i'm the happiest i've ever been Mm -hmm. stuff like that um but then on july 18th 2022 um, her husband would travel more than 700 miles from Georgia to Chicago and attempt to, quote unquote, repair their marriage.
1: And by repairing their marriage, I'm guessing he was going to kill her.
0: So his family did report him missing to the local police in Georgia, and they had contacted the Chicago police to do a welfare check on Sonia.
1: Sounds like they knew what was going on.
0: Yeah. And I think maybe I I feel like that indicates that there was some sort of protective order if they immediately got in contact with the Chicago police to do a welfare check. For sure. Because his parents knew, like... Like, he's missing, he said he was going to go repair the marriage, do something, I don't know. Um, But instead of going to repair the marriage, like he said, um, he made his way up to her apartment on the 28th floor, broke in, shot her in the back of the head, and then turned the gun on himself. Oh my god. Now, this is kind of crazy. I did see this statistic in one of the sources I read about this. About a dozen murder suicides take place in the U.S. every week. Whoa. And about two-thirds of those involve intimate partners. And that's according to the Violence Policy Center. A dozen. Every week. What?
1: And I don't have the statistics behind me, but I would guess most of those are the men killing the women and then themselves.
0: Probably. Probably. It's this whole, if I can't have you, nobody will. Yeah. Weird thing. And I feel like that's what he was thinking, too. Like, if she's not going to be with me, she's not going to be with anybody.
1: Because he knew it was over. There was probably no way he was going to, quote, repair the marriage. And he he couldn't live with it.
0: Well, one of her friends said as much too. you know, he he had this plan going into the apartment building. He had a gun. Right. He was not going there to repair the marriage like he I, I think I think maybe he went up there saying. If you don't stay with me, I will kill you. And then she was like, no, I don't want to be with you you know, like she wasn't having it. And then he did ultimately kill her. Maybe he didn't even uh, get that far.
1: Maybe he got in there and she just flipped out on him and went to go call the police. And then that's when he shot her in the back of the head. Who knows?
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. We, yeah, we don't know. We can only speculate at this point, but anyway, when police arrived on scene, they found her and she was pronounced dead at the scene with the gunshot wound to the back of her head. But he apparently was still clinging to life despite a gunshot wound also to his head. And they transported him to a local hospital where he died pretty quickly after. But they did find a 9 millimeter Glock handgun near him as well as a suicide note. Now, I don't know what the note said as far as I could tell. That was never made Released. public. Yeah, But... Now, despite kind of, you know, the weird pushback from her family that I talked about earlier, she was planning on moving back to Chattanooga and their divorce was supposed to have been finalized just a few weeks later in August of this year. Now, word has spread pretty quickly of her death through social media and obviously amongst her friends and family. I was going to ask about her
1: TikTok page.
0: Yeah, so that just blew up with people making stitches to her video, talking about her story, talking about, you know, domestic violence and how this is not okay.
1: Well, and I can't imagine Um, what it was like at first. People were probably wondering why she hadn't posted an update. And then other people were probably commenting, oh, my God, I heard she died. They probably just thought it was rumors, you know how the internet is at first, and then, sadly, it was confirmed. Crazy.
0: TikTok was just blowing up, basically, in support of her. And because she had gained such a big following on TikTok and Instagram, there was a GoFundMe set up to help her family cover the expenses of her funeral, which ended up raising more than $36,000. Wow which was well over what they needed to cover the funeral. So the remaining money was donated to Saki for South Asian Women and the Peaceful Families Project. And these are two organizations that help uh, South Asian vis- victims of domestic violence um, either get back on their feet, legal fees. um, You know, it's just it's. That type of organization. But apparently, I did read in one source that there was conflict with her family Hmm. um, with one of these organizations, which I think was the Peaceful Families Project. And they did end up returning some of the funds to the family, which
1: Hmm.
0: is kind of weird. But
1: yeah, that's um, a little sketchy.
0: Yeah. Uh, then on July 24th, 2022, a candlelight vigil was held in her honor at the Chattanooga School for the Arts and Sciences. Several of her friends came and they even started a scholarship fund in her honor, which is the Sonia Khan Memorial Scholarship Fund for, um, and it goes to female students with a GPA of at least 3.5 or higher that are graduating from the Chattanooga School. Uh, School of Arts and Sciences, and who intend to um, get a degree in fine arts from the University of Tennessee. So, it sounds Mm -hmm. like it's a very specific scholarship, but definitely well worth it. It's definitely an honor to her. And even after her death, several... uh, Famous Pakistani actresses mm-hmm. spoke out about this and really talked about um, domestic violence in South Asian and Pakistani culture, uh, gender-based domestic violence, um, just kind of like the toxic culture within a lot of these families, the cultural shame. So it's it's really sad that it takes a tragedy like this to really kind of open up and change the um, – conversation around these issues. But also another um, interesting development that I saw was on October 4th of this year. So just over a month ago, Sonia's family is now suing her apartment complex for wrongful death. Now, the reason why they're doing this is that um, they are saying that her husband should never have been allowed in the building in the first place because he had been banned. Um, he was taken up the lease and Sonia had informed the building management and security several times that he was not to be allowed in.
1: Wow. So but he,
0: security camera. F-
1: he got past the security somehow anyway.
0: Oh, yeah. You want to know how he got past the security? Oh, so there is footage that showed he was with a rental agent for the building, allegedly looking at an apartment You're to rent. Fucking and- kidding me. No, but she showed her ID to security, but he didn't. So, he just walked up with her. They didn't ask for his ID. Wow. Nothing. Yeah. And so, he goes to the apartment with this woman, and allegedly, he ta- he tells her, you know, I don't think I need to see anymore. I'm not interested, but... I'm going to go meet up with a friend who also lives in this building and they parted ways. She was probably like, okay, weirdo. No, I mean, I'm sure that just happens. Yeah. It's Chicago. Like, you're in a a giant apartment complex. Yeah. I I don't think that there was anything weird.
1: In hindsight, though, she was probably like, holy shit.
0: Well, in hindsight, yeah, obviously, but you know, you don't meet with somebody having them look at an apartment and think the only reason why they're there is to get into the building to kill their ex-wife, you know. You might now, but at the time,
1: <laughs> yeah, after listening to this episode, for sure.
0: Yeah. So, anyway, it's after they part ways that he does go up to her apartment um and he kills her and then himself. Now, Sonia's mother said that this is the only way she feels she can get justice for her daughter. Um You know, he, he never should have been allowed in the building in the first place. I um, agree with so, her parents. Yeah.
1: I mean, God. If he hadn't been able to get in, who knows? She might still be yeah. alive today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You never know. But... Um, anyway, being that that lawsuit uh, was just just filed a little over a month ago, um, nothing's happened right. with that yet. But we will keep you updated as things move along. Hopefully, there will be good news.
1: Yeah. Well, and- you know what? When you were talking earlier this episode, in the very beginning about social media can either be a force for good or for bad. It sounds like her... Social media pages, which are living on, are going to live on as a force for good.
0: hmm Yeah. So that is the tragic story of Sonya Khan. Very sad. Super sad. And it just happened. Very relatable too. to this
1: day and age, though. Yeah. And if folks want to relate to us on our social media pages, how can they find us? Do we still have a Twitter or did Elon Musk shut us down? I don't know what's going on with that.
0: Elon Musk did not (laughs) shut us down, but I kind of shut us down because I, I am the keeper of the socials for the most part. And I just don't, I didn't really like Twitter very much before Elon Elon Musk Musk (laughs) took over and I certainly don't like it now. (laughs) So we do still have a Twitter page if you want to follow along. Um, as we don't tweet anything, but I recommend coming to hang out with us on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Our username is unnatural. The podcast. You can also come hang out with us on Facebook, unnatural, a true crime podcast. If you have suggestions for episodes, uh, cases that you would like to hear us cover, send us a Gmail unnatural, the podcast at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon page. You can, Sign up for that and support us a little bit on this super cool podcasting journey that is patreon.com slash unnatural the pod. And if you, you can always support us for free by making sure you rate, subscribe, follow and share us with your friends. We love it when people do that. Love it. Special shout out to one of our five-star reviews giving us um, kudos on the Tanya Cash episodes. That was really nice to read.
1: Yeah, which if you haven't listened to that, that was the beginning of last season, a three-part special. That was a fun one.
0: Super fun one. Um, But we will talk to you next week, I guess. Have a happy and safe Thanksgiving. Cause problems with your Republican uncles, but as always, make sure you (laughs) are always making good choices.
1: And are never getting got.
0: (laughs) Uh, Bye. (laughs) See ya. I said it once, I'll say it again, it's just wild to me that there is such a stigma around it still, in the Lord's year of 2022.
1: hmm I agree. Which is why I never am getting married. Ugh,
0: you do it the same? I mean, statistically, because neither of us have been married, we've already avoided our first divorce, so...
1: I think I'm in the process of avoiding my second right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe once I get to the point where I would be in my third marriage I'll be comfortable actually getting married yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) makes sense